Welcome back to Your 1230, the only podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of 12 questions in just 30 minutes. I'm your host, Mike Salitro, and today we are very excited to be joined by Eric Holzapple. Eric has spent decades in business, has lots of years in real estate experience, university teaching, and knows a thing or two about mindfulness. He's the author of Profit with Presence, The 12 Pillars of Mindful Leadership. Eric, welcome. We are really excited to be speaking with you tonight. I'm excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Thank you for joining us. Um, as we talked a little bit up front before we hit record, uh, 12 pillars can be a lot, can be intimidating to some. If if I only have time for two pillars or I want to know what are the big ones, where should I start with the uh, pillars of mindful leadership? You know, the first three pillars are the foundational pillars. Uh, and and the, the other nine have to do with mindset within that foundation, you know, different mindsets you can bring to it. So the first foundation is to be present and practice mindfulness. You know, it's just being <clears throat> anything you do worthwhile requires some practice and it takes a little bit of a, a time and practice. The good news is it takes a lot less to get started than most people think. We start people with two minutes of meditation in our programs, you know, just because it can be a pretty noisy place. And I've just found it can be self-defeating if you go uh, too long to begin with. And we work people up to 10 minutes over about six months. So, um, and there's some other things to be mindful, you know, gratitude, those kind of things are coming some of the later pillars. But if, you, if you're going to meditate, uh, and everybody doesn't have to, we usually start pretty short. The second one is find your purpose in life. You know, I just find uh, so many people, they, I can't get motivated, or I can't get my team motivated. And I just find when someone really knows what they're about, what they're here to do on the earth, you know, for this time, motivation, I mean, as long as you're doing that, you find a way to do it. Motivation ceases to be such a big issue. So, it, but it takes a little bit of a dive. You know, you mentioned university teaching. I was 20 years uh, teaching mostly seniors in real estate at Colorado State University. And all the time they'd come in the last semester or two, starting, starting to think about, oh, well, I'm going to get out of here. What am I going to do? And I say, well, you know, <clears throat> why are you here? And it would say, Ma, you know, most always it was something like mom and dad said they'd pay if it was engineering or business, you know? And I'd say, well, the next step, you know, is a, is a job and a marriage and a house and kids. And I say, you wake up and you're 50. So you might want to spend a little bit of time figuring out what you want to be doing because it's quite a treadmill once you get on it, if you're not in something that you enjoy. And purpose and passion go together. You know, it's just finding those, those things that really, uh, make you tick. So there's quite a bit in the book about that. Uh, the third pillar is quite a mindful, mouthful, excuse me, <laughs> find your, uh, create clarity, vision, intention, commitment, and habits. You know, really just setting your plan for your life. And uh, intention is so important about what you intend. You know, don't live a life on accident, live a life of intention. And then commitment and habits go hand in hand. You know, if I, I make commitments one place, but my habits are drastically different from that, I find that I break my commitments. And I find we are our habits. You know, we turn, that's what, the things that we do each day are really who we are. So spend a lot of time with, through awareness and through mindfulness, figuring out exactly what our habits are, because a lot of them are more or less unconscious. We don't really pay attention to them. It's just doing the next thing. 
And then over time, and it does take some time, calling out some bad habits and creating habits that support what we commit. Because then when I fall off my commitment a little bit, I still, my habits hold up for a while. <laughs> or, you know, if that vacation happens or the sickness or whatever, my habits fall off, my commitment gets me back on. So it's really a, just like that. Other habit, other uh, pillars have to do with, you know, your way of being and gratitude and service and, and a lot of different things. So those are the, those are the main ones main uh, i call them foundational pillars thank you so much for kind of walking us through the the big ones there at least the the top three um got a lot of follow-ups and i'm gonna start kind of with mindfulness because i think that's where uh, some people either hit a roadblock of like well i don't know what that means so it's not important or yeah. i'm fine i don't i i, I don't need to worry about that or, that's not for me um i think it's one of those things that it's a never-ending journey once you get uh an understanding of it and you you hit on some of the gratitude and meditation pieces to kind of understand that how did you discover that this is important for you and pretty much for everybody well boy how did i discover that's that's a life story you know i was <laughs> uh, and, I'll, and i'll jump in the middle of it a little bit but i was successful i came out with an mba in my you know 20s and was immediately successful in real estate was the ceo in my 20s of a uh, North American division for an Australian company. I traveled all the time. I had the, you know, I had all the outside signs of success, the title, the salary, the apartment, you know, uh, but inside I was kind of dying, you know, and I was really good at it and I, and I just was naturally good at it, but I was overweight. I, you know, I'm an athlete. I wasn't working out. I was drinking too much, I was single, you know, I was just working seven days a week, really. Uh, you know, in Australians, there are different time zones. You get off at six, and then you get to get on the phone with them. And when they travel around and they travel all the time, you know, they they just, just like meet on Sundays because they're busy during the week, you know. So why don't we meet in Houston on, you know, it was just not great. Um, anyway, I got a transfer to Boston, which I know you're close to. New York Stock Exchange Company in Boston that they had a majority interest in was in trouble. And I'd done a good job and everything else. They said, we need you to get to Boston right away. And I got there and it's close to where I grew up in Maine. And I remember it was the first time it was good news. There was enough problems in town that I didn't have to travel except for down to New York to meet with bankers that wanted some money. So uh, I bought a scale and actually my mom came down from Maine and helped me, you know, outfit an apartment. I bought a scale and I hadn't been hanging around health clubs or anything. I knew I couldn't get my tie done, my belt done. You know, I kind of had Dunlop disease. My belly Dunlopped over my belt. You know, I just, uh, <laughs> but I... But I wasn't giving up. So I wasn't going to go buy all that new clothes and everything because I just, this couldn't be me. But I bought that scale and it was just one of those epiphany moments, one of those aha moments where I, I was shocked. I was shocked. It had been years since I stepped on one. It was just like, wow, you got to do something. You're not going to be around very long. And I already was having some symptoms, health symptoms. And I did in that moment. I, I, uh, I started back working out and lost a bunch of weight, quit drinking for a time. Uh, and somehow in that I found yoga and I don't know how, because at that time it wasn't on every corner or, you know, it, was, it wasn't an internet there, you know, <laughs> all those things. So I don't know how, but I just found a DVD of, uh, was Patricia Walden who had a studio in Boston. I remember, but I just started doing yoga and I just, I quit that job. I went back to, uh, university. I said, I need more purpose in life. I'm going to try teaching. Uh, 
And yoga found it just was something that got me back in my body. As Ken Robinson says, my body had become something that takes my my head from meeting to meeting. So I got back in it. I got back into athletics. I actually took up golf. I, you know, just got back in it. And then uh, the other thing that happened was my oldest brother was estranged from the family, but he's a poet. My dad was a football coach. And those didn't, that was like oil and water. And without going into the details, it, you know, he started meditating and he came back to the house. My dad didn't change. He came back to the house. He, you know, he opened up to my dad. My dad opened up and I was like, I got my family back. And he said, you want to try it? And I did. And, you know, it was a game changer. I started it just privately. And that's the one thing I'd say to the audience. You don't have to tell anybody you're meditating. It can be completely private. was for 20 years. I hardly said a word to anybody about it. I said, I didn't come out, you know, I stayed in the closet with it. But uh, later on, I decided I wanted to do this and kind of promote it for different reasons. But uh, it just reduced my stress, made me less angry, improved my sports life. And improved. in a business context, mindfulness is focus. One word. All the long-winded explanations or things like non-judgment, that kind of thing, those are things that have you lose focus. But basically, especially in a business context, can you focus on what I choose to focus on for the time I choose to focus on it, the exclusion of everything else? And then what I say is that's huge skill to learn at work because then when I go home, I want to turn that focus on my family because there's too much going out too when we're home. We're not really focused there. Then we bring it back to the office the next day. I know that's only part of the story and probably just the broad strokes, but thank you for sharing that because that highlights a lot of what I'm sure we're going to be talking about and how it was so powerful for you. And you hit on kind of upfront the, the the focus piece and that some of us who don't take the time to be mindful are just kind of sleepwalking or uh, you know walking through the, the steps subconsciously, unconsciously without realizing what we're doing. Um, so for anybody who's listening to this, like that sounds good. I, I would like to be more focused. I would like to be more present. But, you know, not only do I not want people to know what I'm doing, but how do I even get started? What what do I do tomorrow to to get on this path? Well, um, first of all, it doesn't have to start with meditation. Meditation is very effective and very powerful, but it is, you know, for a lot of people, it's intimidating and it's a hard way to start. Gratitude is a great way to start. You know, just start with a gratitude practice. Taking some walks without your phone. You know, 10 minutes, set the phone down and take a walk and just notice the wind blowing, you know, the birds and those kind of things. You just start focusing. Uh, and if you do want to try meditation, there's all kinds of, of uh, online things now. On our website, there's free there's free uh, meditation lessons, a 21-day free trial, just 10 minutes a day of learning some mindful movement and meditation. There's all kinds of uh, apps would be any, I, eventually I encourage people to wean off the app because I don't want that stimulus and response. I want the meditation when I feel stress, I want to just feel myself in my breath and being aware. I don't want to like have to search for my app because I'm stressed. I want to just have it happen. But you know, the cool thing is in a business context, you're in a meeting, you know, and it's not going your way. Or someone's, you know, being aggressive, and you just notice yourself in your body. You just, you know, it's just not that big a deal. You just things just stop being such a big deal. So it's certainly worth the time. The good news is, after a little while, you become more focused. You have more time. 
I'll give you an example at work too, is like meetings. Stop allowing laptops open and telephone calls and be on your phone during meetings. They take half the time. You know, if you can just be focused during the meeting, but you're there, you're talking, nobody's even listening to you. They're on their phones or they're somewhere else. And it's just, so we really encourage people, if you got to go that, do that. We're going to meet on this now. We'll catch you later. You know, we just can't really focus with that going on, but it just cuts the meeting times way down. Yeah. I love the elimination of distractions. And the other thing I, I wrote down as you were uh, talking about being present and focused is the ability to do it at home as well, not just to be uh, in in that zone at, at work, but then to come home and, and bring it to those that you live with, those that I, most likely are most important to you, then take a a present approach with them. Um, to somebody listening, they might be like, well, that's a, that's a lot. I, I'm kind of just going through the motions now uh, with how can I be present all the time? Um, and I kind of, I'm going to tie this into the second pillar you mentioned, the, the purpose and passion. Um, if someone knows what their pur purpose is or what they're passionate about and are trying to get there, how can, how can they take those steps to either, as you did, walk away from a job that was not serving them or uh, to, to spend more time with the family? What are, what are some basic things people can do to kind of take that step forward? Well, your intention to be more mindful is huge you know, to have that intention and make a commitment around it. But it also has to start with habits. You have to start evaluating the habits you are, which are to be distracted and to be not be present. You know, most of us even at home, just I, I don't like to admit it, but, you know, the distraction of, of the phone and things pulling me back makes it so I don't have to deal with people, don't have to deal with things going on. It's a, it's a, it's a, an escape. So, so it does take a practice. You know, it takes some time away and business is so good at distracting us. We are the best. We get every little slice of your attention. You know, oh, there's a slice over there. Let's grab it on Facebook and let's do this for advertisements and let's do this with the Google ad that pops up. And, you know, the only way, the only, and I don't see it getting any better with AI and everything else coming out. I think it's going to get worse. So the only thing we can do is demand that we take it back, you know, take some things off our phone, take your social media, newspaper, whatever, some stuff off your phone and get, give yourself some guidelines and, and just say no during this time or take a walk. People don't think they can be without their phone, you know, for 10 minutes. We've just gotten to this, this uh, place in our society where it's, it's, it's almost insecurity with it. So you have to spend some time without your phone, and just say, I'm going to pay attention. And that's one of the beauties of a practice is during that time, you're focusing and say, no, I'm just going to work on focus right now. If it's meditation, I'm just going to work on that for a little bit. Or some people like yoga, some people don't. How do, how can I just work in my body? That's mindfulness. Can I pay attention to my body? So it it is going to take habits because habits are who you are. And if you don't like your habits, you know, change them. You can change them. But it take that does take some time. And I'd say be patient with yourself and do it over a long period of time. That, that be patient with yourself, I think, is good advice because I think it's it's easy, especially in, in a society where we want things yesterday that, you know, I made this change. Why don't I have the results I want already? So uh, giving yourself the, the ability yeah. to take the time, make those mistakes. Um, I'm going to take somewhat of a left turn here and kind of try to tie a couple of things together. Um, but your third pillar that you referenced uh, involved habits. 
Um, and in the story, you mentioned getting to a point where you did not recognize yourself, were overweight, needed to make a change. Um, so in being mindful and caring for our, our, our mental health, uh, part of that is our physical health and habits and, and diet. Uh, so you mentioned yoga, taking care of your body. How are you able to have good dietary habits if, if you do, or, or how does that fit into this piece? Because uh, I, I feel that's that's can be a roadblock for many, including myself, where, you know, I'm doing all of these things. I'm focusing on all these other areas of my life. I don't have time. I don't have the focus to care about what I eat, when I eat, and, you know, what's, what, what goes in there. You know, if you're more mindful, you pay more attention to what goes into your body. You also slow down a little bit, you know, you slow down a little bit and you, you wait for your, yourself to fill up a little bit before you get up, before you stop eating. So, I mean, there are so many different diets out there. It's, it's, it's truly confusing and there's a different one for everybody. And I, I don't claim to understand them all, but I do know that you can pay attention to your body and even notice what's, what, what different foods go do to you. You know, when you feel better, when you eat something and when you don't feel better than you eat something, but I mean, there's mindful eating. You know, it, it can be just eating a little less portions and, and paying a little more attention to it. But if we're running at 100 miles an hour, which, you know, I'm as guilty of as anybody, but I use this practice to help slow me down. It is really hard to put nutritious food in our body because we just don't take the time. We just grab it and eat it and we're doing the next thing or we're reading the paper or on the laptop or everything while we're eating. We don't even really notice. So the practice there would be when you eat, eat, you know, take that time and try not to be doing other things and plan a little bit for the next day, what you're going to be eating. We don't think about it. We're running, we're distracted and we just grab it. Oh, I don't have a magic pill on it for sure. And it's a uh, food can be a, be a tough thing, but I know that mindfulness, I just see people going, I see people when they start the practice and I don't espouse it and they start going to church, they they start going to the gym again. They start other things. They, they have better habits. They cut down on their drinking because they're more mindful and they start noticing the effects more. If you can, our mind is swirling with thoughts, some 6,000 thoughts a day, and it can make it so we don't even really feel our bodies. By getting in our bodies, our mind slows down and we start to notice the impacts of our digestive system and some of those things more. So. And I know I'm not saying that's a magic pill. It's going to happen in an hour. I don't think it is. But over time, as you slow down and, and start noticing, you will naturally take better care of yourself, whatever well, diet that, you choose. And I think that's so far. That's you know, as I as I'm feverishly taking notes here. That's my takeaway: that none of these things are overly difficult in and of themselves. Or, oh. uh, but sticking with them and then understanding that. It's it's time and it's commitment to get them right and to 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 stay kind of stay the course. That's that's the hard part. That it's not anything that you can't do. It's just a, a lot of little things building up on each other and kind of uh, putting in the energy and the focus to to accomplish what what you see in front of you and what what is important to you. Um, the other thing that I, that I wrote down here that I think is important is that that's not a big deal piece. Even I think it was in the context of work. Um, something that may not be going your way or they find frustrating. And I find that's often the answer with a lot of things, some things that 
you stress out and worry about before they happen that, well, it didn't work out that way, where I was really terrified of this and, you know, wasn't, wasn't as horrible as I thought. Um, is, is there ever a time when, go ahead. I just think we worry about so many things we can't do anything about. You know, so we say, if you can do something about it, take action and do it. And if you can't accept it, we, there are so many things that we don't control that we fret about. You know, I can't control if the Fed's going to cut the interest rate or if we're going to go into another war or inflation rate 6% or 3%. I can't control those things. I have to work on what I can control, which primarily is my mindset. You know, I can, I can, can I, with work, I can't do it like I'm a genie, but with some practice, I can control how I react to things, you know, and how I respond to things, hopefully not react, that I respond to things. You know, because uh, I, I say life's a pitcher. I don't know if I'm going to get a curveball or a spitball or a, you know, tsunami pandemic or a lottery. I have, but to get up to that plate, I need the right mindset. I need to get on base or whatever it takes to get on base. If it's a walk or a steal or whatever it is, but I have to have the right mindset to sit up there and be aware of the pitches and, and play. If I have the wrong mindset, then, you know, and the other thing I would say is, been in business a long time. Some of my best deals have come from failures in which I have learned something and I stayed aware and stayed with it and said, ah, I didn't like losing that money. But look, we took that knowledge and we did it over here and made it back three times. If we're aware, but you're usually so focused on what we thought we wanted, we don't notice the real opportunities out there. We get so discouraged and and upset. I didn't get it. Well, okay. That's where the non-judgment comes in and the awareness comes in to say, okay, that's fine. But what is out there? What is available? Uh, mindfulness is huge on seeing opportunities, huge on being aware of things and not being closed-minded and being open and learning to have discussions with people. You learn so much when you slow down and just ask somebody some questions and, and really care about it. The answers you learn so much and people, you know, people want to help you. And with, with that learning from others, uh, being in the university setting, teaching students, um, having done so for uh, you know, a, a good amount of time, what, what do you find works for <clears throat> Somebody who's making that transition from, as you said, I'm here because mom and dad told me they go, you know, they pay or I should go to school, but I'm about to take that next step. How how can somebody, you know, either about to join the workforce, looking to change jobs, what types of things can they do to prepare themselves from a student, an academic to a professional, but one that is in a in a career or at least a job that they they enjoy being in and one that they get fulfilled from? Um well, there's a couple different ways I could I could take that question. The first I'm going to say is, you know, is to take a little time to find out who you are, what makes you tick, and what you really love. Because culture has told us, and our parents have told us, and schools have told us, you know, that it's that that this is the route. I go to the right schools, I get the good grades, I get the big job, I do that, then I need the condo and I need this and these vacations. And then someday I get to be happy. <laughs> and I've just found, and I have a lot of successful friends and I was successful myself, is that even that that comes true, you change the goalposts. When you get what you thought you wanted, 
it's a bigger house, it's the second house, it's the bigger vacation. You know, in a in a other time, say first we want to travel, we take a bus. Say, oh, if I could just fly. Then we fly and say, Oh, what are those guys sitting up in first? And we sit up in first, and then they say, if I could just fly private. Oh, that would solve it. And now we got, you know, everybody going to the moon. It's just that we keep moving the goalposts and we never are present because we're waiting for that day and we've never learned to be present. Harvard's done some work. Sean Archer wrote a great book called The Happiness Advantage. And, you know, happiness comes first. The most successful people are happy and then they're successful and then they really enjoy the success. I'm not saying you can't have financial success and grinding it out and not being happy. That would be a lie. I have a lot of, a lot of people I know that have done it that way. But I haven't seen them find happiness that way. I've seen them then they want to go to the next thing or they just need more. So take some time figuring out where your zone is, what makes you happy, what you really love to do. And then passion comes. You don't care if you're working 12 hours a day. You, you get out of bed. You know, you, you're not dragging yourself into work. You love them what you're doing. You're happy. And people like to call happy people. People like to call somebody who's in a good mood and wants to know about them and how they're doing and remembers their kids' names and, you know, says, oh, by the way. And the other thing I'd say is those relationships are so important because people don't call you back in a downturn. You know, transactional people don't call you back in a downturn. Relationships call you back. And, uh, you know, I've been through about five major downturns in my career. And I can tell you, relationships have gotten me through every single one of them. It's been, you know, not that they call and they say, I'll buy that from you, but they're going to at least talk to you and say, have you talked to Bob? Or, you know, they talk to you and give you some advice or something happens. But like the transactional people, you know, you can have a list. We had a list during uh, 08 with a housing crisis, 258. No one called us back, you know, gone. So, it's really, really important. And mindfulness is about relationships. It's about fostering relationships. So, I don't, so that, that's another thing I would tell a young kid, you know, watch your relationships. They're huge. That's great advice. And as I look up here, we're almost nearing time somehow. So um, Eric, where can our listeners find you? Where can they connect? Where, where can they pick up the book if they'd like to do that? Yeah. Well, our website is livinginthegap, spelled out, .org. It's a 501c3. You can buy the book there. And there's also all kinds of free resources. There's a newsletter there. There's a 21 Day. There's a, you know, Learn to Meditate. There's a number of free resources on that and blogs uh, and Amazon. It's a Wall Street bestseller. Uh, it's available for sale on Amazon. And uh, it's also an Audible. That's how you prefer to listen. So. Get, but whatever, get started. Get started small and be consistent. So we will post all that. And I think that's one of the things that certainly comes across from our talk from, as I look through my scribble here, the taking action, the getting started, the acknowledgement of here's where I am, being present, and then being tied to something that you're either passionate about or you realize that this is why I do what I do. This is my, this is the, this is this has a meaning to me. And as you reference, working 12 hours no longer seems like this is never going to end. I'm happy to do this. It's Saturday morning. It's late Thursday night. I don't mind doing this. Um, so your story that you share with us is a powerful one because I think, you know, you talked to a lot of those 20 year old students. That's what they want. I want an MBA. I want a job that takes me around the globe that I'm making these big decisions. But, and you know, you reference, you know, plenty of people who have unfulfilled or unhappy 
professional careers. So I'd like to kind of end where we started. Um, I didn't you know, my, change. I didn't change careers. You know, I didn't change industries. I just changed the way I did business. And yeah. that, that that's it. That the yeah. mindset where you are kind of yeah. can trump all of those things. Um, it, is there ever a time where, um, you know, it's too hard. I can do this later. Is there, is there ever a good answer to, to kind of put off on having a positive mindset or, or being more present? Or is it always something that we can kind of get started on now? It's only, that's, it's only now. People that put it off don't do it. And uh, you just find you become so much more efficient. You know, you just can't. After a while, I've been doing this 30-some years, you know, I can't stand not having something done. I don't labor about it and procrastinate. I, I just do it. I'm really careful what I say I'll do because I know myself, and this is power for anybody that wants power, is knowing that when you say something, you'll do it. Then people start depending on you and want to ask you to do things. You know, so uh, no, there isn't a time. I mean, if you miss a day, just don't miss two. You know, just get back on it and do it. You know, but it, there is, and it just gets so much easier. It gets easier to do it than not to do it after a while because you look forward to that time because it is peace. It's joy. It's an internal job. I mean, the, the newspaper is never, you know, going to give it to you ever, maybe a day, but the next day they'll take it back. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I'm careful of what I say that I'll do. So, you know, that's, totally. that's wonder, wonderful advice that, you know, do the things you say you're going to do and then limit limit where your commitments are there. So Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Thank this has been a blast. Um, I look forward to doing it again. Thank you. Thank you for having me.